Hello and welcome to another episode of Block Talk, presented by Theater in the Now. I'm your host as always, Michael Block. Patreon is an incredible way for projects like this to get an extra boost. Visit patreon.com slash theater in the now to learn how you can support the podcast. It's easy to do. And as always, follow us on Twitter and visit theaterthenow.com for the latest news, reviews, and interviews. Today I'm on the road. I am at Therapy to talk to someone really incredible. She's an international star of stage and screen, an avid supporter of the entire drag community, and an important political voice. It's Margot Cummings. How are you? Oh, hey, girl. Thank you for meeting me in my little liquor cabinet dressing room. This is so cute. Yeah, yeah we're, we're, we're talking before stage fright tonight. Yes. Which is an exciting one. I, I am a big American Idol fan, so... Oh, yeah. Well, I, uh, you know, Tamara Gray was on American Idol when I was a freshman in high school, and now I'm 30 years old, so it was a while ago, but she's been a big Broadway star ever since then, so it's kind of like a fun, uh, it's fun for me to have her as a Broadway guest, but also as like a nostalgic, you know, memory of being a gay little kid yeah. <laughs> watching TV, you know? Absolutely. Well, we're, we're going to talk a little bit about stage fright in a little bit, but we're going to start with everything there is to know about you. Great. Where are you from? I grew up on a farm that has been in my family for almost 300 years in Kennedyville, Maryland. What was your childhood like? My childhood? Oh, traumatic. I'm just kidding. Um, my childhood was great. You know, my parents are my parents are actually going to be at the show tonight. So exciting. Uh, they are uh, sweet little hippie people, and they're very supportive of my drag. My childhood was, you know, my mom was a teacher in my school. My dad was a salesman. I did community theater and had two older brothers and it was very uh, American I guess. And then you came to New York to go to AMDA. Yeah I started going to AMDA two weeks after I graduated high school so I was 17 and going you know I, I grew up on a farm but I went to a Catholic high school about an hour away from my farm in the city well Wilmington Delaware which I guess you can call it a city it's a city it's a, you know pretty big. Um, so anyway, but I moved two weeks after high school, so I was very, very young when I got to New York. And what was it like adjusting to New York City? Well, I don't know. Uh, you know, being a 17-year-old musical theater fag in New York is very, um, you can get into some trouble, a you know. Bit, I, yeah, I, yeah. I puked in a lot of cabs, I snuck into a lot of bars, and I had a lot of fun. Uh, and I'm happy that I, you know, had that experience of growing up in New York because now that I'm 30 and I've been here for almost 13 years, I feel I got all that messiness out of the way and now I'm like, you know, a functioning, <laughs> hopefully well-rounded person. But being 17 in New York, whew. Yeah. How did drag come into your life? Yeah. Um, how did drag come into my life? Uh, drag came into my life long before Drag Race was even on TV, you know? Like, when Drag Race came on TV, it was 10 years ago, so I was like 20 years old when that started. And it wasn't the phenomena it is today. So when I started drag, um, I first, you know, started just, you know, I think like, you know, the good old days before makeup tutorials on YouTube where you just kind of like throw on some heels and say you're a drag queen and like, you're so messy for a long time. And 
I uh, I did this show off. I tell the story so many times. I did this show off Broadway where I played this like androgynous, gender bending, uh, cross dressing character, and I was like, "This is fun!" And so I started doing it more. And then I did it at a bar one night, and the bar offered me a gig the next day, and so she was born. You know, it was totally accidental and coincidental, and not like the plan I had. But then when I realized I could be on a stage almost every single night of the week, and I could make a path for myself, and I could make my own rules. Uh, you know, drag became an exciting adventure, and it's given me more acting opportunities than I had before. How would you say your drag has evolved over the years? Oh, girl, how's my drag evolved over the years? I was a real ugly girl. I was so ugly. Uh, I had the worst. <laughs> I was so ugly. I had the worst makeup. I was so ugly. Uh, that's all I so aesthetically, my look has developed over time to what it is today, thank God. But also my persona's developed in this sense that like I really, you know, I started out as kind of a messy queen and then a musical theater queen and then a comedy queen. And now all of those great things that I've learned about myself as a performer and now mixed in with being a political queen. So it's now you got all these components that I've learned in my almost decade of doing drag, you know, and I've been doing drag for a living for eight years almost. That's a long time yeah. in this business. So over time I've learned like, you know, uh, I used to only sing and now I sing and I lip sync and I do mixes and I used to only have a piano at my show and now I have tracks and then some shows have pianos and then I used to only do certain types of jokes and then I got away from those jokes because I thought it was too lowbrow and I moved on to other kind of jokes, but keeping a lowbrow, I don't know how to explain it. I just, when you take a decade of knowledge and you apply it, I hope in another decade I'll be a completely different queen as well, you know? So my character has evolved in the sense that like, I, I never stop learning. If you're a drag queen and you say, I have it all figured out and I haven't learned anything or I don't need to learn anything else, then you're completely wrong. You have to keep learning. Uh, Absolutely. To keep growing. Who would you say some of your inspirations as a performer are? My drag inspirations are, sorry, I'm like doing my makeup while we talk. Good, uh, this is great. My drag inspirations are Sherry Vine. I love Sherry, Bianca, um, Varla Jean Merman, Hecklina, Peaches Christ, Miss Richfield, Coco Peru. Brilliant comedians. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, the Boulay brothers now, who I love. Um, I mean, there's so many different types of uh, yeah, those are the, the Shaquita, you know, Head of Lettuce, like these iconic, Lipsinka, um, Charles Bush. And you're in that category now. Oh, thanks. Who, what would you say three words to describe Marty R? Uh, loud, political, and unapologetic. I love it. Since you are getting in face, how long does it typically take to turn into Marty? Too long. I hate doing makeup. <laughs> That's fair. Are there any New York City queens that you've yet to work with that are on your dream list? Are on my dream list? You basically work with like everybody. I feel like I work with everybody I want to work with. Um, well, that's not true. I would love to do a show with Mary Cherry, and I would love to do a show with Ruby Rue and I have worked together before, yeah. but I would love to like host something with her. I think That'd she's very fun. funny. Yeah, yeah. I love Ruby Rue. Um, and I would love to do more with Ragamuffin. I've done some things with some like special events with her, uh, and I did marry at Club Coming, Frankie Sharp's show. If you're free on a Tuesday night, you have to go see it. It's incredible. I love Frankie Sharp. 
Uh, I think he's doing a great service to our industry with, with what he's doing with his Tuesday night show. Um, but, uh, yeah, I love Ragamuffin. Uh, I'd like to work more with her. Nice. Yeah, that seems to be a common thread so far. Everyone wants to work with her. I love her. Yeah, she's great. So as they say in the business, your book's in blessed. <laughs> you are easily one of the hardest working people in nightlife. You've had cabaret shows at 54 Below. Some of your bar gigs include Legend at Rise, Bingo at Pieces, The Late Late Show at Hardware. But today I want to uh, focus on two, Stage Fright at Therapy and The Ultimate Drag Match. Yeah. So I want to start with Stage Well, before Fright. we jump into those, yeah, I do want to say that my... I love, like, before we, like, focus on any one particular, I do want to give, like, a huge shout-out to my Hardware Pieces crew. Like, they, uh, it's the same owners. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Justin and Eric also do such a great service for drag in this industry. You know, Pieces has an amazing lineup of drag queens. Hardware has an amazing lineup of drag queens. And what's great about my Pieces gig, it's a, it's a great opportunity for me to just sit for three hours, play bingo with people, try some new numbers, and just get to know the audience, you know, because I'm on stage for three hours, so I get to talk to them, and that's really fun, and then I like hardware on Sundays because uh, it's right after, it's such a great lineup, you have Britta, uh, Filter, and Jasmine, uh, Rice LaBeja from Shade, and then you have from Drag Race, Monet and Cracker, and then you have me, and I like to feature uh, newer up-and-coming girls on Sunday nights, and it's just such a great opportunity to uh, let these girls shine you know so i love i'm very grateful to my uh hardware pieces folks for for allowing me to do that yeah they they are incredible venues they do they're great venues they do great service for our community so with stage fright it's one of the staples of the monday night nightlife yeah i hope so each week you welcome at least one star of the theater community for a unique hybrid of drag show and talk show what inspired the show and how has it grown over the years this show uh you know i did a show for many 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 years when I was starting out for many well like maybe like four or five years so <laughs> let's get specific uh, I did it at New World Stages in their little um, lounge uh, with my friend Kelly King and it was called Whistling Trixie and we did that for a long time and Patrick Krizar was my DJ now they both live in LA but when uh, you know when the show shifted and Kelly left and Patrick left I, I had to figure out what I was going to do and Tommy Buckner who at the time was the manager and I talked about how I could stay on and and keep the show going there. So I, uh, my friend Michael Lamasa and I uh, started this show called uh, The Late, no, what was it called? The Late Show, maybe? I don't remember, anyway. And we, and I said, well, I, I know some Broadway folks, why don't we do like a talk show? And then Michael's schedule uh, after a couple shows got busy and so Bradford Proctor, who's now my piano player and co-host, he signed on to do it with me. And I called some, like, every Broadway famous person I knew. I called the Shans, I called Cheyenne Jackson and Anthony Rapp. And they all basically, Katie Huffman, who has become a very dear friend of mine, I, I kind of basically was like, do me the solid, help me out here. Rory O'Malley, who's a good friend of mine mm-hmm. from Book of Mormon, he was my first guest. And they all kind of had the same general mindset when I reached out. They were like, we really like you, we want to help you, and we know that us during the show will help you get names that you really need so we're happy to do it for you and so you know when it was at New World Stages we had all these great people and then when the Schuberts brought New World they stopped doing uh, the nightlife shows for a while and I, I was very like oh god what am I going to do and so I reached out to therapy and they were like well let's give it a shot and it's it's grown you know uh, we've had Oscar nominees, Golden Globe winners, Emmy winners, Grammy winners, 
over 30 Tony win- winning uh, and nominated actors. It's it's um, it's really been a dream come true, you know. Do you have a favorite guest or a favorite moment? Hmm. Do I have a favorite guest? One of my favorite moments was singing um, When You're Good to Mama with B.B. Newworth. That sounds amazing. Uh, I loved when Alan Cumming did the Spice Girls dance on stage from Spice World when he was in that movie. Uh, he did that dance for us. I loved um, singing Sideshow with Alice Ripley and singing Rent with Adam Pascal. And I loved when uh, LaShawn sang Seely, uh, I'm Here from the Color Pro. There's so many moments. You know, Daphne Rubin Vegas sang Out Tonight here, which, you know, she originated. What Katie Huffman sang Ula from Purdue. Like, people sing their Tony winning roles here, you know? Like, it's like... Um, it's, it's special. Yeah, Peter Gallagher was here with his daughter. Uh, uh, Catherine Gallagher. Like, who, I mean, who else has done the... Lilius White sang uh, from The Life, which she wanted Tony for. You know, there's so many. It's pretty fucking cool. Do you have a dream guest that you haven't booked Do you have a dream yet? guest I haven't booked yet? Uh, Patty LuPone and Bernadette Peters. Let's get them here. Come on, universe. Tried. <laughs> Trying. <laughs> it, it can happen, I'm sure. I believe it will. So between The Late Late Show and The Ultimate Drag Pageant, you provide one of the most important platforms and opportunities for emerging queens. Why are these shows so important for you? Uh, it's important for me because I know what it's like to be passionate about drag and to be starting out. I know what it's like to try to get exposure, you know? I also know what it's like to go on stage and fail miserably and and feel discouraged. So if you can give somebody an opportunity that's a safe environment to try things and fall on their face and not feel judged by it, what a great opportunity. You know, this is a story I, I share a lot, but when I was first starting... A long time ago, uh, I went to the Ritz, and Bianca was supposed to be performing, but she called out sick, and it was very busy, and I, drunkenly, this, I've been sober for almost seven years, and this is before I got sober, but I was like, I can fill in for her. <laughs> Big mistake. I had been doing drag for about 30 seconds, didn't know shit about audience control. I was booed off the stage within three minutes, I think. I left crying, and I felt that was me falling on my face very hard. And I think you have to go through those experiences to become a great drag queen. Not saying that I'm a great drag queen, but I'm saying, like, if you want to... Um, I don't know. I think you need to fall on your face. So by doing a pageant that's in a safe environment and having girls at my show on Sundays that's in a safe environment where I really let the audiences know that this is a safe space for new queens, if a blunder happens, they're not going to be booed. They're not going to be embarrassed. They're going to learn from it and say, okay, this worked, this didn't work, this I can do better, this joke didn't land, maybe I can rewrite it. This song wasn't the best mix. And it's an opportunity for them to like really like practice and work on themselves as performers in a kind of judgment-free atmosphere. That's why I like doing it. It's, it's really wonderful. Over the past six seasons of UDP, the winners have been Miss Hell, Golden Delicious, Shimmer, Poppy, Ms. Diamond Wigfall, and most recently, Nicole Noscopy. What does it take to win, and what do you look for when you're crowning a winner? What I look for uh, in a winner, well, first of all, I always say to the girls, it's not about who wins, it's about what you learn. So if you are eliminated or you don't take home the crown, what did you learn? What is something you learned about yourself, and what is something you learned about your character? What is something that's going to drive you forward uh, as a performer, you know? Um, Winning, obviously, is great, uh, but 
what what are you going to learn from competing you know what kind of queen do you want to be what you whatever you know what i mean so so what do i look for in a winner i look for somebody who can at the end of the eight weeks can um talk on a microphone hold their own in a microphone uh can potentially put together a full 50-minute show and not just do a guest number. I want to look for somebody who can sell a show. That's the goal. Within the past year, many of the queens who came through UDP have really jump-started their careers oh, yeah, because that's of great. this pageant. What does it mean to you knowing you had a big part of their journey? Uh, I would say it's one of the... If I was to leave drag today, I would know that I have a great legacy in that uh, I was able to help queens the way so many queens helped me when I was getting started. Yeah. And uh, what an awesome opportunity uh, to impart whatever knowledge I have about this business to somebody else who's passionate about it. It's great. And after six seasons, we are about to have an ultimate drag pageant all-stars. That's true. What was it like selecting this cast? Um, Selecting the cast, I looked for a couple different things. For me, it was who didn't, who did really, really well and deserves to come back uh, because they have more to show. Who didn't, who did I think didn't show us enough, but uh, I know it's in there somewhere, and so I want to give them another chance. And, um, and yeah. I'm excited. It's going to be really hard for me to pick someone because I've become me close too. to so many Same. of these Obviously, we have to talk about Shade. <laughs> In your words, what is Shade Queens of NYC? Shade Queens of NYC is my uh, um, it's everything I've worked for in my life. Uh, it's an opportunity to showcase myself it's an opportunity to showcase queens that I believe in and I believe have a story to tell. It's an opportunity to show people a side to drag that they may not see on other television programs or at venues. It's an opportunity to learn what it's like being a human being who does drag. It's amazing. What inspired you to create the show? I created the show with my friend Mike Kelton because I told him I was going to move back to my small town in Maryland and run for office. Uh, because I, and I wanted to make a documentary about it, to document like what it's like to come from conservative America and go home and like try to change it. And he said, okay, you're not moving. I like that you're in politics. What can we do along that, those lines here in the city? And then we had this really long, very long hours, hours, hours long lunch. And over that course of the lunch, we came up with the idea for shade. And then we started working on it. This may be a tough question, or it could be incredibly easy, but why Shade now? Like, why on the air now? Yeah. Uh, well, RuPaul and Drag Race have given the... If it wasn't for Drag Race, we would have never been able to sell our show, first of all. So, thank you. Uh, but I think... drag. I'm in a fantasy league for Drag Race. It's my favorite show on TV. But I think when you have a competition show, it's, a comp it's like watching... It's like, you know, it's like our Super Bowl, you know? Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm choking on my makeup powder. <laughs> um, but uh, 
I wanted to take those elements of Drag Race, like when uh, when um, Alyssa's dad calls and says, you know, we didn't have a good relationship, but I love you. And I want to take those moments and I wanted to amplify them without a co competition component to it and just show what is it like to be a drag queen who's married? What is it like to be a drag queen who's new? And what's it like to be a drag queen who may be losing their gigs or a drag queen who's struggling with whatever they may be struggling with? Like, I wanted to amplify what real life drag is and share those stories so people who are drag fans understand what it's like to really, truly be a drag queen. Your husband should basically be nominated for a Best Guest Star and for his <laughs> appearances on the show. He is the star of the show. He thinks so. <laughs> what does it mean to you to have him be a part of this journey and to show the world the love and support you have for one another? Well, you know, what's great about Blake is not only is he a very supportive husband, he's a very talented musician. Absolutely. And so in the So You Think You Can Drag performance of Chelsea and Paige, he did all the arrangements for the slideshow music. He put together uh, the orchestra for that and got Hannah DeFlamary to record both parts. He musically arranged it. For Jasmine winning the Lady Liberty, he assembled the orchestra. He arranged the song that she wanted. He completely did that. For my album, he did the same thing. For a couple of the music shoots we did, he did all the music for. He's very talented. So it was nice letting my husband, not only giving uh, these drag queens an opportunity to shine, but giving my husband a platform to really try new things and to, and to shine as an artist. It's amazing. So I play a fun game on the podcast called Tea Time, where you get to share a little tea, share some stories about some of your ah. sisters, some ah. people you've shared the stage with. Oh, God. With. Um, and we are going to start off with Tina Burner. <laughs> Tina Burner. Tuna Burger. Uh, I love Tina. She's She has a hard front. Um, it's not just her wig line. She has a... <laughs> She's, um, you know, she comes off a certain way, but she's actually one of the kindest people uh, I know. I love Tina. We have a really good relationship. You know, I, I, she makes me laugh. And um, she's one of those people that if I am having a bad day, I know I can call her and she would, you know, give a shit and help. Next is Ms. Cracker. Ms. Cracker and I used to do a show together at Boots and Saddles on Saturday nights. And Cracker is one of those girls who, I think I'm a pretty quick, funny person on stage. Yeah. But, God, it's like running a marathon. When you're doing a show with Cracker, it is running a marathon to keep up because she's so smart. Like, she's so smart. And her jokes, I can't wait for Drag Race to elevate her to this level where she can, like, sell out huge theaters. So yeah. people who aren't just like wasted in a bar are seeing her and they're gonna like get every joke she says because she's so fucking brilliant. I laugh so hard. I watch her show every single Sunday at Hardware Before Mine and I just laugh so much. So doing a show with her, I was like, okay, put on your running shoes because we're gonna have to keep up today. Yeah. It was Next, a great challenge. Yes. Next is Chelsea Pierce. Chelsea Pierce is my girl. She did my makeup for um, when I was on Watch What Happens Live last week with Adam Rippon. Chelsea and I have been friends. I've been friends with Justin for such a long time. And what's great about Chelsea is, like, I... What I love about having, like, drag family is you know them and you see them perform. And then when you get to see them in a new light, it really, like... So I just saw her show, Are You There, Ruins Me, Chelsea, at uh, the Lori Beachman. And it... I've always known she was good, but it just, like, changed my entire view set on her in the sense that I was like, 
you're not just good. Like, you're great. Yeah. And what an opportunity it is for her to have done this show and show people this new side to her. I was so fucking proud of her. She's incredible. Yeah, she, it was a really amazing show. I was very proud of her. Because, you know, like, sometimes when you're in a bot, like, you don't always get to show, like, nope. every side to you. So I was like, wow, she's showing her audience a whole new side to Chelsea. And what a beautiful gift that is. Next up is Brenda Darling. Brenda Darling. Oh, whip sound, whip sound. <laughs> she loves those whip sounds in her mixes. Brenda's so much fun. You know, I don't, I don't know. Um, I didn't know Brenda very well until we started doing Legend Wednesdays at Rise with uh, Bootsy and, and Aquaria. Um, but I have a good time. Like, she's so fun. Like, she makes me laugh because backstage, her and Bootsy will always be like, Mother Goose, Mother God, Mother Goose, Mother God. And it just makes me, like, I just have a good time with her. It's always fun when, when Bootsy or Aquaria are on stage and we can just, like, be in the back just kicking and being silly. She's a good time. I, she, she's very sweet. Well, next up is Aquaria. Aquaria! She's a child! She is. She's a child. I remember when I, the very first time I ever met Aquaria was at West Gay, another Frankie Sharp event back in the day, and I was hosting, and she was there visiting from Philadelphia in drag, and she was, like, 12 years old. She's very young. <laughs> and she was like, are you, um, are you Marty Cummings? I follow you on Instagram. And I was like, oh, yeah, who are you? And I had no idea who she was. And now she's, like, this mega superstar but she's like, you know, I had a great talk with her the other day where, you know, we're talking about drag race and how the internet can be, you know, not the nicest all the time. And, and I said to her, I was like, do you remember a while ago when you said to me that you were dropping out of school because you wanted to do drag full time? And I was like, well, guess what? You did that. And now you have a bazillion followers. You're traveling the world. Literally, she was just in Japan, she's been to London, she's traveling the world doing what she loves. So I just said to her, I was like, any, she's very young. So I get that like reading something can be hurtful. But I was like, just turn that off and trust your talent. Like you made a decision to leave school to do this full time. And now look at where you are. You're traveling the world. Like you're so young and you have an opportunity to set the course for the rest of your life. And I was like, look at that. Like look at that beauty in your life. And I think she's a really smart kid and I think she's gonna go even further than she already has, you know? I'm very proud of her. Next is Jan Sport. Janice! Jan Sport! <laughs> She's so good. She can sing like that. Jan's fun. We used to, um, we host some brunches for Sky Casper in Connecticut a lot uh -huh. uh, together. And I have such a good time with her because, like, I sound like the grandma singing. And she, it's, we just, like, literally talk about nothing on the mic together. And it's, so funny she makes slay slay uh i think jan sport is um you know a lot of a lot of drag queens feel threatened by her because she's risen very quickly and you know what they should be threatened because she's fucking talented and she's kind and she's good at what she does and she's here to stay and she is a phenomenal fucking queen and a phenomenal friend yeah i i remember seeing her for the first time crowning her for Lady Liberty. Oh, yeah. Because I was one of the judges. She's incredible. Was, yeah, she was great. Next is Nidra Bell. Nidra Bell is a hot mess in a dress, and I love her so much. Nidra is so unapologetically Nidra, and I think that's so beautiful. Like, she just doesn't give a fuck, uh, and I mean that in the kindest way. Like, Nidra is fun to work with. I love, um, you know, our little tater top moments at the judges' table. <laughs> when we kind of like, you know, because 
we are judging a competition, so we do have opinions on performances, and so sometimes we lean into each other and say funny little quips to each other. But Nidra makes me laugh a lot because she finds the joy in what she does. And uh, I thought it was so cool seeing her on The Voice and like spreading that joy, you know? Good for Absolutely. her. She's she's a great uh, she's a great person to have around. And finally, the Tanya to your Nancy, Paige Turner. <laughs> You know, Paige Turner and I, I'll be very honest, uh, we were not friends for many, many years. Many years. And uh, we didn't get along, we didn't talk, we weren't friends on social media. And then one night we were doing an event together and our tables were right next to each other. And all these little twinks are going, oh my god, 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 they're right next to each other. Oh no, oh no, oh no. And I thought, this is so fucking stupid. So I went up to her and I said, hey, you look really nice tonight. How are you? And she was like, huh? And I was like, you look nice. How are you? And she said, thank you. I'm good. How are you? And then we started talking. And we had a dialogue. Like two fucking grown people. And then we settled whatever differences we had. And that's why, you know, people were kind of surprised when I... Because with Shade, like, you know, obviously the network makes the final call and who's on it. But I, every single girl that gets on Shade or is interviewed for Shade goes through me you know I recommend who gets on it and so people were kind of surprised when I recommended her and I was like why would I not recommend her she's a hard-working queen she's good at what she does she's a business person and she has a story to tell you know so for me like Paige if you had told me years ago that Paige and I would be at the place we are now I'd be like what the fuck but that's what's great about being like a working drag queen and a grown person you can put your differences aside and now Paige is a very good friend of mine and I think like my husband and her fiance and I had dinner together in Mexico uh, I've referred her for gigs and I think you know any beef that people have with her that's their business and I, like I said I said a lot of nice stuff about Tina earlier because Tina mm-hmm. is also a very good friend of ours and I think a lot of people want to pit people against each other and say well you're friends with her so you can't be friends with her or you're friends with her you can't be friends with her I'm going to be friends with whoever the fuck I want and I I like Paige Turner a lot and I like Tina Burner a lot. And I, I think, like, I I like Paige. So I'm happy we're friends now. And I'm happy she's on the show with me. It's amazing. Yeah. So we hear you say drag is political a lot. Drag is political! I'll yell it! Why is this an important message for you to continually tell everybody? And how can new queens take part in making drag political themselves? Um, drag is political because... Sorry, I'm like stuttering. Drag is political because drag has always been political. Drag is, um, drag has been at the forefront of our community for a long, long time. And drag was always on the outskirts. Uh, It was on the forefront and the leaders of of, of the pack, but also was very like uh, looked down upon until drag race became a phenomenon. And I think it's important to remember that like uh, drag queens and transgender folks are the ones who led Stonewall and weren't given the recognition for it for a long time and drag queens are the ones who started talking about AIDS and drag queens are the ones who you know were raising the money and fundraisers for the marriage fight and the adoption fights and drag queens are the ones who I mean Bob the drag queen is a prime example she stood in Times Square and got arrested as a drag queen fighting for marriage equality you know and so I think drag is political because you have a microphone and a platform, and it's great to tell jokes, and it's great to turn a look, but if you have a following, 
do something with it and um, use your voice. How can young LGBTQ people get involved in their local communities and politics? You can get involved in your local community by joining your local club, finding out who's running for office, running for office yourself, uh, you know, go find out what local charities there are. Some great organizations here in New York City. Well, the House Kitchen Democrats, which I'm president of. The uh, If you live in other neighborhoods, there's other clubs and organizations. The Bailey House, the Hetrick Martin Institute, the Ali Fournay Center for Homeless Youth, the GMHC, Gay Men's Health Crisis, uh, it, it's GMHC, um, the... Uh, the God's Love We Deliver. Like, there's so many organizations you can get involved in. So tell your audiences about them. Be like, hey, I'm volunteering in a bubble lot. Come with me. Or do a, do, do a night where all your tips go to an organization. It's very small, simple things, you know? So RuPaul recently found himself in some boiling hot water within the community after an interview revealed his opinion on trans performers competing on drag race. Oh, yeah. Should there be rules when it comes to drag? <laughs> Ah, should there be rules when it comes to drag? Uh, to me, the definition of drag is there are no rules. Drag is whatever you want it to be. And so for RuPaul, somebody who says we're all born naked and the rest is drag, Absolutely. to then put limitations on drag, obviously the argument of it's his show, he can do whatever he wants, that is true. Yes, absolutely. It's RuPaul's show and RuPaul can put whoever RuPaul wants on RuPaul's Drag Race because that is his right as a producer. However, as like the most famous drag performer in the world, what you don't have a right to do is say who is and isn't qualified to be a drag queen. Everybody who wants to do drag can do drag, whether you are uh, non-binary, non-gender conforming, if you are a female, whether you be straight or lesbian or whatever, if you are transgendered, pre-op, post-op, whatever, if you're a straight man or a gay man, it doesn't matter. If you're a human being and you want to do drag, you can do drag. Jasmine Masters, of all people, gave a great <laughs> video the other day where she was saying there's a drag queen and a drag king, and that's it. And it doesn't matter who you are. If you're on stage and that's what you say you are, that's what you are. There's no rules or limitations. And I took great offense to RuPaul's statement because Peppermint has been a friend of mine for many, many years. And I've known Peppermint to be her authentic self for many years. And so to say in a very public forum that a surgery determines something is so false. But uh, Peppermint gave a great reply. And the good thing, what I said earlier, is when a drag queen says they've learned everything and they don't have anything else to learn, that's a mistake. The good news is RuPaul said that he wakes up every morning knowing that there's a lot to learn. And I, and I think Ru is a brilliant genius and somebody who's given so many opportunities and because of RuPaul I'm able to have a TV show so I hope that Ru learns from this and knows that there are all types of drag uh, not just for men yeah how do you stay focused and committed to the art uh, I say focused and committed to drag because it's I say, if you wake up in the morning and you think you can do something else, do it. Uh, if you wake up, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's a, you know, like, there's no plan B here, you know? This is it. This is what I want to do. Absolutely. This is it. What is the most important advice you, or lesson you can give to someone who is really in a drag career? 
you can get all the advice and all the guidance in the world. But you have to have fun and you have to feel good. So if you're feeling good on stage and you're feeling good about your drag, then you're doing it right. Do what makes you happy, so long as it's not like malicious. It's great. Do you have a post-show routine? Like after my show? Yeah. Uh, take off my makeup, get a sandwich, and put on some TV, cuddle with my husband and my dogs. Nice. If you were to be on The Amazing Race, what drag cream would you pick as your partner? <laughs> if I was on The Amazing Race, I'd pick Monet Exchange to be my partner. Yeah, she'd be fun. Oh yeah, we'd have a good time. So we're going to do something called the Pop 5 Rapid Fire, where I'm going to give you five pop culture um, current event type things. Okay. And you'll give first response, story, whatever you want to say about them. First is Beyonce and Jay-Z's On The Run 2 tour. Wait, are they going on tour? Yeah, that's today. Doing it again. Great. <laughs> I had no idea. Number two is Liza Minnelli's 72nd birthday. Woo! That I knew about. <laughs> How many times have you watched the um, QVC? Oh my god, I love Liza can do no wrong. I love Liza. Number three is The Return of American Idol. Who cares? Uh oh. Number four is Betsy DeVos. Who cares? No, yeah, uh, I, I mean, I care for our children. Um, just a fucking idiot. I can't wait till the, there's a new administration. Agreed. And number five, Adam Rippon. Aww. He's everything that he is on TV. He's the nicest. Uh, I saw, I was on TV with him, and then I was at an event with him the next day, and we got to hang out for a little bit, and he's just the nicest. He's the nice. <laughs> he's so nice. He's so nice. I'm like, excited to see what happens. He's truly, yeah, I'm very excited for him. He's just like, he's just a good person. So next is a question that I have my previous guest asked my current guest. This is a question from Robin Banks. If for you me? Could, for you. If you could tour with a one-woman show, what would it be called and what would it be about? Funny you should say that because this summer you'll see me all over the country uh, in uh, Marty Gold Cummings' Life on the Z-List. Amazing. That's a perfect plug. Yeah. <laughs> and where can we find out all the information? Uh, be? Well, on the East Coast, I'll be all over the West Coast, but on the East Coast you can see me August 20. 4th, 25th, and 26th at the Crown and Anchor in the Provincetown. Amazing. So now is your turn to ask my next guest a question. Who is it? And you don't get to know. Wow. It gets to be a random question. This one just happened to be a perfect one for you. Who is it? I can't tell you. But I, okay, what I will say is they were a part of Ultimate Drag Pageant in the, between season one and six. <laughs> So I just have to ask. Ask who, a question. Okay. So whoever this next guest is, I ask of you, if you were if you were to have an opportunity to do only one song in your entire life at Carnegie Hall, what would it be and why? Oh, I'm excited to hear this answer. If you have made it this far on the podcast, use hashtag President Martigal Cummings. Where can we find you on social media? At M-A-R-T-I-G-C-U-M-M-I-N-G-S on all platforms. And you are verified. On all platforms. Marty, this was amazing. Thank <laughs> you for doing this. Thanks, babe. 
The biggest thanks to Marty for coming on. Subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud and leave us a review while you're there. If you have any questions or comments, drop me a line at theaterthenow.com via our question link. Until next time, I'm Michael Block, and that was Block Talk. 